1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome to season two, episode 70 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got Matthew Aguilar. What up? Producer Jim Viscardi's is back with us. Hello. And we got wrestling on the horizon, so of course our wrestling aficionado, Mr. Connor Casey, is back with us again. Aficionado, I like that title. Yeah, it's a fa- I'm, I'm trying to class up wrestling, so we're going to use terms Ooh. like. That. <laughs> good yeah. look at that. Good, good luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do too well because we're we're here to uh, <laughs> we talk about WWE's uh, you know modestly named Clash of Champions. Uh, the big pay-per-view, pay-per-view event that's coming up this weekend by the time you're hearing this. So we are going to preview all that and kind of going to break it down. And I'm sure there's a lot more going on in AEW, NXT, all that stuff. So we're going to do another wrestling check-in. And in addition to that, we got to talk about some big news with Marvel. We just got hit with some uh, kind of disappointing and kind of mind-blowing when you start to look at it Marvel news that we're going to get into. We are also going to talk about the first trailer for Marvel's Hellstrom, which just came out. The Justice League is doing some surprising things for the Snyder Cut that we didn't think they were going to do. John Cena is getting his own DC series. We got to talk about that on HBO Max. Supergirl has come to an end, and Matt has to do his gaming flex, so we're going to talk about Amazon's cloud gaming service, Luna. Uh, In addition to that, we are going to take a deep dive look into comics this week, including X-Men's... X of Swords creation, the kickoff to this big X-Men crossover event, the big thing that uh, House of X and Dawn of X have been building to. And so we're going to talk about that and, and how that's going, because this could be the most lively thing we've done in uh, comics since House of X. So stick around for all of that. It's going to get good. Right at the top, let's get into our news flash segment. Marvel's Hailstruck. So I mean, we're kind of skirting a line by even referring to this as Marvel's Hellstrom as a. Opposed- That's true.
3: It's technically not Marvel's yeah, Hellstrom yeah, because.
2: <laughs> but you know, I mean, we were going they to. The even, they won't
3: even put the Marvel logo in the trailer.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, but oh, wow. we needed- I didn't notice that at all. No. 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 Marvel's Marvel's on the on the QT on this one. Um, they're just taking those residuals. But uh, yeah, we have to get. Of course, we got to say it because we, we got to get that SEO. People got to know what this is. So this is a Marvel-based property, but of course, Marvel's got their own Disney Plus thing happening now, so this is just like the weird leftover child of of old Marvel TV. As this was supposed to be part of like a whole new horror universe that we were going to get. Like, remember that? Remember the when Oh, movies? man. Ghost, Ghost Rider. Rider oh. series. Who else was it they, I... okay, they were going to do?
3: Wasn't Satana? Get her. No, Satana was not. She's in this.
1: Oh, yeah. we, we had theorized, though, that it would have been a... Uh, we were like, we, we contemplated that like five other characters were gonna come in and it was gonna become the vengeance tie in oh, yeah. and do Spirits all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's not happening. <laughs> well, I mean,
2: it's not, I mean, it's not counting out because uh, some of my favorite characters, the Darkhold Redeemers are actually in this show. Um, yeah, they've been kind of, they've been spun a little bit. They're a little bit around, but they're, they're basically still the same characters. So uh, let's talk about this Marvel's Hellstrom trailer. Um, This was a lot better than I thought it was gonna be, to be honest with you. Like, I've been kind of giving it the side eye because it is this weird unofficial Hulu Marvel, which is not to throw shade, I loved Runaways. So I'm not throwing shade on Marvel Hulu, I'm just saying, like, compared to like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision, like, I wasn't expecting too much from this. And it sound, and I think it also just didn't help that it sounded a lot like one of my favorite uh, new shows with uh, my boy from uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Prodigal Son which is about a guy investigating serial killers whose dad is a serial killer. And this kind of felt kind of like that. Um, But when I started to see the still photos, I've somehow landed on the Hellstrom beat here. I don't know how that happened. But uh, when the first official photos came out, like I was breaking, just kind of looking at them. I was like, oh, this looks like it could be like a really, it looks like a stylish production. It looked like it could be like a stylish show. after seeing this trailer, I would say, like, style is, like, the big thing I kind of came away from this. Um, it has a very kind of, I mean, it has substance, but it has a very big style kind of presence in this kind of gothic horror style to it. And uh, I dug it. It looked creepy. It looked kind of uh, interesting and not just some, like, weird family drama with Marvel stuff thrown in. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised. How about you guys?
1: Go ahead, Jim. You, you sound like... Well- <laughs>
3: It's like, I don't know where to start with this one. This I wish it didn't have the burden of being an ex Marvel show because I feel like on its own, it would not be that bad. Right. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's funny cause I, I and this is, these are two totally different shows, but I just, I just finished watching, uh, my wife got stuck on Lucifer. And so I was kind of watching along with her and there's a lot of like, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of very demon-y type of stuff that goes on in that show that, you know, when you see the trailer for this, uh, it just, it, things, the thing I liked about Lucifer is the humor that's kind of injected in there. And then I watch this and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be pretty dark (laughs) and not that that's a bad thing, but it's it definitely, it's like a, a, you know, just feels like a very big tonal shift and it's all recency bias for myself. But I mean, these are characters that I don't, that have a lot of potential to be explored and, and, uh, and made very, very interesting. I don't think that I've never been the biggest Hellstrom fan to begin with. And like that corner of the, uh, you know, Marvel I'm Universe. I'm
2: not sure anybody has.
3: Well, but uh, but that's uh, oh, but that's what I mean though. Like so, like there's really no, Like I don't know what's really drawing me to this show uh, outside of the you know the premise that it used to be a Marvel show.
2: Well, I was going to say. I mean, I disagree. I think if I didn't know anything about this and people didn't tell me this was Marvel, I would still want to watch this particular show. I sure, like horror, that- t- but I like horror TV, so that's that's yeah. my preference. Yeah. I love. And- the- Perhaps
1: that's like why that. they didn't put the logo on it. Because well, but I think I also, too, that would be a draw.
3: But there, there's nothing there. – I don't think there was anything there that was like, I need to watch this as soon as it comes out. Like, will I get to it? Yeah, probably eventually. Do I need to watch it immediately?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, it's not like must-see TV for me, but, like, I think – I mean, it has the obvious benefit of dropping in October – So I'm going to get my Halloween on like when it's spooky season, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely jump into this. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. I think Hellstrom is benefiting from the fact that we also are in a year where there is like content. We are in a desert of content, especially on TV right now. I mean, this is literally going to be like the only thing (laughs) that comes out that we really have to talk about. And so I think it, at least during that October run, it could, it could have like a, a good little run to it. So, um, Like I said, visually, it looks like I mean, it's, it's a well-put-together production. So, um, The horror elements and the creepy show, I didn't need to know it was Marvel to kind of get me in. Because I, I like serial killer, demon stuff like that. And this, this has all of that wrapped in, in a bow. So I'm kind of looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I will not be watching it. But it's because it creeped me out. Because I don't like possession stuff. <laughs> and they're like right off the bat it's like hey this is kind of creepy possession stuff so like nope you <laughs> can't keep that thank you whether you got marvel or not I'm
3: you know good. you know what kind I'm you know what kind of vibes creepy. i got I got from this that i that I really liked and is' you know now that I'm kind of like walking walking back a little bit um the exorcist TV show
2: yeah that's what I'm saying mm, I like that yeah, TV yeah. show yeah yeah I, I liked i liked special. what it was starting for horror tv i like that stuff so
1: mm-hmm.
2: i'm kind of psyched i like the following i like the exorcist i like uh prodigal son i like evil like i like all these kind of creepy shows like and uh yeah and this looks like another good one so and it looks better than castle rock let's be honest so uh good yes. for you hulu
3: <laughs> yeah Man, I loved Castle Rock Season 1.
2: Yeah, it started off with such promise, then it just it lost me. Once you get Season 1, I was like, wait, that's the it? That's it? And like, <laughs> yep. All right, but moving right along, we're going to move from Marvel and horror to the horror of making DC movies. So... I said uh, we learned that we were going to get something for this Snyder cut of Justice League that we didn't think we were going to... It was a big kind of discussion point when it was first announced, but we didn't think the original cast was coming back. We, we thought they're done, and, and that's that. But uh, it turns out we were wrong. Part of that uh, $30 million that Warner Brothers is pumping into this is apparently to get some of the original cast back for some uh, important reshoots. We're going to be having Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill... Gal Gadot and uh, Ray Fisher, which was an interesting addition.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think one of the things that we want, that we should probably make clear, is that, that the report said reshoots and additional photography, and and sometimes those terms can go hand in hand, right? Where they may be filming new new stuff, but that stuff that like there still may be scenes that Whedon shot that were, you know, originally Zach. So, so I think we're getting a little bit, a little bit of both, uh, but also to um, that 30 million number, I think is now, uh, you know, I think we've seen a few times that the uh, there was someone at HBO Max who said that they were going to that, like, the 30 million number is probably going to get bigger. And I think that's where we're, we're, we're seeing here. We're like, if you're going to bring everyone back to shoot for more stuff, it's going to cost more. Cause I would imagine the 30 million is probably just that visual effects budget by itself. Uh, but that's
1: what you I know, thought. It, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I kind of thought that was just to finish what was there i remember yeah. them saying they weren't even doing reshoots at one point they yeah, were, no, well they, the
3: so original it, the yeah, original yeah. plan was that they that they weren't and so clearly it looks like they have gotten to a point in the process where they feel that that they need to
4: so it's it's even more proof that this theory that there was a a, a secret cut of this hidden away this is even more proof that that never existed and that they're oh, making mini- they had to make more stuff <laughs>
2: Maybe, yeah, well, I, I, think I, I I wanted to address this yes but let's be clear <laughs> that rumor and confusion was warner brothers fault like that yes. was not the fandom's fault because that was the bargain they made with that thing of that whole pr kind of swap out for Zack snyder and josh whedon right like you know they had gone out and said oh snyder shot everything he finished this film You know, he just had that family issue, and now he has to leave post-production. No big deal, guys. We're just bringing Josh Whedon in to do the touch-ups and add a few scenes, and that's it. I mean, they've had them go out on a Comic-Con stage and and tout that company line. Poor Ray Fisher, that's where he lost his soul, and he's trying to, like, recover now because you're running around in a case like freaking Pulp Fiction or whatever. But, like, yeah, so he had to go out there and say that stuff, and... So then they had created this impression that Justice League was finished, it mostly finished by Snyder, and this was mostly Snyder's film, and Josh Whedon was just doing these little bits. They had everybody say this, like, Josh Whedon. I mean, it just up and down the board. So, yeah, when they, people saw it and thought, oh, no, we know that there's something else, they were going back to the acclaim the studio made that, ju- that Zack Snyder had basically finished a film. So they couldn't, and they just kind of played the line. They didn't say anything. And so they could have shut down this, and that was a catch-22 of the Snyder thing, of the Snyder Cut movement. They could have come down and said, stop it. We never finish this thing. But then to do that, they would have to say, nah, we just didn't like it. We yanked him out like X amount of the way through, and this is now a Josh Whedon film. Surprise! <laughs> and like, yeah, and going through that, but, you know... They held to the lie long enough to that now we have this thing coming true. So there you I go. I did notice that, baby. like,
1: I can't remember what... I think it was that article that actually talked about this in particular, but also, like, a couple of previous reports are still sticking by the, like, the initial reason that Snyder was let go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's still... Like, they still haven't really addressed all that. Like, it's still kind of that same like Kofi was talking about, kind of that same report from way back when, like they really haven't walked that back either, even though they've done all this stuff around it and kind of danced yeah. around it and said all these things. They still actually haven't acknowledged that, like all of and that was BS. Yeah, we like,
2: statute of limitations. We've known for a long time that a lot of that was BS. Like,
1: yeah, well, exactly. We, I feel like everybody kind of long knows, time, but like, like yeah. they've never. They still but kind that's of that's a messy keep,
2: situation that yeah. I am not stepping into. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> that Momoa just stepped and, into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hollywood
2: and PR and, and what you say and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not stepping into that pool. Um, but, yeah, we've known that for a long time. And, you say know,
1: you, say me.
2: Stop it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but now the cast is coming back. But, yeah, it proves. I mean, this is, this is actually the chance for Zack Snyder to actually put together the film that he wants. And not even – I mean, it was always a problem. I mean, this has actually weirdly worked out better. Because I was yeah. here – I remember being doing this 10 years ago when it was just Justice League with the two Roman numerals already when they <laughs> announced it, one and two. It was like 2017, 2019, baby. Those are going to be crazy years. But, um, yeah, like, so this actually has somehow worked out to him getting to make that crazy Justice League longer thing that would have never fit in a theatrical film anyway. So kudos to everybody. HBO Max, get them subs. I'm loving HBO Max anyway. Um, all right, so that's one thing on the DC front. Let's keep moving. We also got to talk about uh oh wait, wait, yeah. can I
3: just add can I just add one more quick thing really oh, yeah. really quick because I, like like you just kind of mentioned like you know with the the Roman, the, two, the Roman numeral two or whatever, it'll be very interesting to see how this ends and like and like whether or not Zack Snyder is going to tie a bow on this story, and like like that's where the bulk of the potential reshoots are, are going to be or. Or like we're gonna talk about, will it leave it open ended for potentially other things in this universe?
2: If I mean it kinda Zach, has to open the door to Flash, at least, we know like I right? mean if
1: you're Zach though from like Zach, like from from his point of view, why the hell would you put a bow on it? Like do exactly what you were gonna do and then gauge the interest, because then it, it puts them in a position of if there's enough you know uh reaction to it then you have the possibility of like getting your other movie right like i don't know why you would shoehorn especially since it's like this six hour opus like his original two movie plan was just like ridiculous but yep. like why would you like it, you have the potential for another full movie that you know you, like you could you could spin if you wanted. like for this him i don't see all, why he but, would do this it. is I all
2: mean. a trojan horse <laughs> that we can get ben affleck convinced to take one month to shoot us a batman limited series for hbo max absolutely so sense. we can and then we can have a batman awesome tv series and awesome movie absolutely and dc sense. will have fulfilled absolutely. it's you know it's most fond dream batman everything just like yeah that's all i'm in this for is the trojan horse to get ben back to do something. No, yeah. no, no, no. that's that's all i want out of this
4: Matt, I and, feel like at some point though, he's gotta just cash in his chips and say, I have pushed my luck so freaking far into an unprecedented situation. I, at some point he has to Yeah, at some point he has to cash out and go, Hey, if I keep pushing this any further, this is gonna blow up in my face again.
2: Yeah, if he does that on Wednesday, as i was about to say, then on Thursday, you're gonna get the get Snyder more chips hashtag movement. But like
1: started. it w- I would feel that way if he was the one like pushing for this the entire time, but but like he goaded, like, yes, he fanned the flames and he would pour little things on there to keep the fire going, but like he didn't push he it, fanned like, it the wasn't, flame. it he didn't start to lean on it. I'm saying though, okay, but he did not, he was not out there campaigning for this movie, that was not him, so he hasn't pushed his luck, he's literally sat back and watched all this happen and then waited for his NDAs to dry up and then talked a little bit about it. That's like the all he's done. So, like, why would you stop? It's the laziest like, comeback
2: kid story in the history of entertainment. I mean, yeah,
1: he hasn't done anything. He shared it to a social service no one he uses. Put, he hyped up Vero. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, oh, he hyped God. Vero in the process. Here's a weird shot of Wonder Woman. Here's another shot of Superman. Like, that's literally what he did for a Vero year. stock up a 1,000%. <laughs> but how, so, how
4: many times did we write about his Vero stuff?
2: How many stories he, do we have of that in the backlog?
3: Well, he kept posting a whole bunch like, of pictures like, on it. Yeah, oh, yeah like,
2: that's no, you might, well the ask, flame. you might as well just ask it quicker yeah. how many years worth do we but have? He didn't, he, but it? that wasn't yeah. a <laughs> Snyder
1: pushing thing. Like, if, if it was him eh, all the no, way, I would say no, it was not. Because Snyder wanted his movie, and Snyder didn't get his movie without all this other extraneous stuff. I mean, and from taking it out
2: of all this because we got to move on, but like, this is, this is a studio thing, and this was a universe starter. It wasn't just a yeah. movie. And so I feel like Warner Brothers is going to go back and retool it for that purpose in in an era where they now have both movies and HBO Max at their disposal in these series and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm with Jim. Uh, We got to move on uh, and talk about John Cena's Peacemaker. So John Cena's Peacemaker is getting his own series. If you don't know what that means, well, you haven't been paying attention to James Gunn. Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn is doing The Suicide Squad, which is coming out next year. And one of the characters that he collected from this crazy assortment of like B down to Z list DC comics characters is Peacemaker, who is this kind of twisted like Punisher meets Captain America kind of amalgam where he's this crazy patriot who does whatever he needs to do to achieve what he thinks is like the cause of freedom and justice, which can mean just like pulling out guns and executing people randomly and (laughs) and doing all kinds of zany stuff. And they got Cena for his kind of, obviously, his wrestling persona and all of that. And so, I mean, he's got like the comic accurate costume with a helmet and stuff. He looks ridiculous. But he looks like he's going to be a real breakout star of this movie, like in a kind of a hit. We saw just the behind-the-scenes footage of it at during DC Fandome. And, and you could clearly see them letting Cena kind of ham it up in the best way that plays to John Cena. Um, and like I said, this is going to be crazy. So this is gonna be a prequel series showing how that um, uh, Peacemaker gets to be Peacemaker, which I also love. Because at first, when I saw the series, I was like, oh man, like now you just kind of ruined something for the Suicide Squad for us. But you totally didn't. John Cena could have a horrific death in that movie and still, we get this Peacemaker series, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like a twisted Captain America. And if you give me something that's like a demented version of Captain America, the first Avenger, I will love it. Like, <laughs> and, and I just love the tagline. And, and is this the show title I was we were moving so fast covering all this yesterday. Is it really just called F? It's Peacemaker. is like that the official title. I hope it, is, it? is. Cause I, I, I would
3: love it. I don't think so. Uh, but, uh, cause I don't think that's what the, the press release also was, was also pretty big. I don't think they've landed on a title because it just said they are making a, um, a peacemaker show Yes. Yeah. but peacemakers
2: well i think we also learned during the 2010s because there was that big craze when twitter first blew up in the 2010s of making shows that had like curses in them and then yeah. they ran into the obvious marketing problems with all that <laughs> like yeah just printing stuff getting people to look at it not scaring away old people like you know yeah so i don't think we do that anymore but um yeah this looks like it's gonna be a good bit of fun and Uh, i'm just liking dc like is really leaning into this hbo max thing and just like really going there like a gritty gotham police force well a crazy like peacemaker show like this is just green lantern like like, you you know i just
3: love i just love that they're they're hitting the ground running on programming for hbo max in a way that like when you when you look on the, the flip side like yes we know where you know what we're getting on the Disney plus side, but like just even like from a number standpoint, like we're almost kind of neck and neck now. No, like with number of projects kind of in the works between HBO max and DC properties and Disney plus and Marvel properties. So it, but like they're so wildly different, right? So like you have the stuff that's coming out of Batman, you have the stuff that uh, is now coming out of, um, Suicide Squad, you still have that Green Lantern show that's still out there, that's still out there to, you know, to be made. And and like, so it looks like it's just going to, uh, you know, kind of be in these in these bubbles, which I love, because then you're not necessarily constrained to the ongoing narrative that is the mcu right where like the big question has always been like how are these other things going to move uh these shows going to move if the movies are moving and you know they solved some of it in the sense of having wandavision be able to come out before falcon and winter soldier but like it's with these dc shows it sounds like it's not going to matter so uh but so it's really interesting to see how Warner Brothers is building, you know, building their superhero franchises versus how Disney and Marvel are are building theirs. Which
1: is, by the way, how it should have been in, in the first place. Like this is this whole multiverse, like it, continuity is just like a thing we play with and all these things doesn't hinge, uh, doesn't, isn't a barrier to what we can do and what projects we can put in is what they should have done from the beginning because this current slate and like the possibilities I'm excited for some Marvel shows It's one of the reasons why I'm really excited for Division because it's so different and it's so mm-hmm. unique. And like, obviously I'm, I'm excited for Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, but because I'm fans of those characters, it's not necessarily about like the shows themselves because a lot of Marvel shows are going to fit into the same template. They're going to feel as part of the MCU, whereas DC shows, I don't know what the hell to expect from half of these, you know, Cause, like the tones are going to be so different. They can be so creative because they're not, you know, completely tethered to each other and like kind of handcuffed in some ways, like what they can do. That's exciting to me. And that's, it's kind of like, finally, thanks for getting the memo years <laughs> later. Uh, this is what you should have been doing from the beginning. Cause this is exciting. This is, this is cool. So.
4: I just love everything about this because I love that gun goes
2: on Twitter and just says, yeah, I was bored at home during
4: the pandemic. (laughs) So
2: I wrote a TV show. Oh, Oh, we didn't even mention I missed the big, I left out the big thing. This isn't just any show. James Gunn director of the suicide squad is making this John writing, writing and directing some of the episodes. So this is a James Gunn pro like joint, you know, Uh, sorry, Spike Lee, but um, yeah, like, yeah. So this is going to be a very much a gun project. And I'm just thinking, like, if you've ever seen Super, like, this just like screams mm-hmm. another kind of version of Super.
4: Yeah, Th- this is like someone <laughs> let a trauma show into HBO. That's that's what's <laughs> happening here, and that's amazing.
3: Uh, and then, but before anyone before anyone starts asking, Gunn has already said that he plans on on doing this in his what would have normally been his downtime between Suicide Squad. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, this has no effect on the schedule that he had already planned for himself in shooting Guardians 3. So, don't, I don't want to see any, anyone being like, James Gunn loves DC more than Marvel. That's not the case. He made it very clear. So, everyone can put down their pitchforks.
2: Yeah, but, uh, I mean, that's some prettiness
3: right there. I mean,
1: it's crazy. You know. But, um, it's pretty cool that he wrote a TV series. When yeah, sports, I mean, right? I just want to see. We
2: got to say, we got a break for a minute. But, um, yeah, I just want to see uh, basically, like, Kick-Ass meets Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That would be incredible. All right. When we come back, we got to talk about Amazon's new gaming service, the Marvel movies getting delayed, and X-Men's new big comic event. So we're going to talk about all of that.
0: to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash podcast.
2: Alright, so we also have a little tail end to our DC discussion, which is that sees uh, Supergirl will be ending after season six, which is about three seasons longer than I thought it would last. So, I mean, I'm not broken up. So mm-hmm. uh, sorry. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this was, I, I tried to hang with this show and I don't have any weird gender bias in my superheroes. I can watch female, male, black, white, anybody superhero stuff, but like this show was just, it, it was all right, but it was just kind of, it was a little too soapy right from the beginning for me, like with the original Carista Flockhart stuff uh, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but uh, it got better over time. I found it's footing, and I'm, and I'm glad that it's had its run, but I think the Arrowverse in general can start rotating people like series out after five seasons, like Arrow lasted what? Eight seasons. So yeah, about eight seasons. Yeah. Like, so Supergirl lasted six, like, that's not a horrible thing to people who are freaking out, I and the people know. who are mad about like the the Superman and Lois show coming, and Supergirl, you know, they're just kind of feeling like it was a placeholder for Superman. Like, yeah, Supergirl had her time. Superman had a series that failed in the time that Supergirl <laughs> was still on like krypton like you know did all that so like i forgot that show existed oh my god not me i love that show man i know all stuff so broken
1: up with that dude it's better than all can. these arrow superman stuff man like that came after like show. didn't that come a week after you had like gushed about krypton on the show yeah. 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 <laughs> krypton
3: krypton was pretty good i think that was that was a uh a just a a victim of being on the wrong channel at the wrong time and, and yeah, all sci-fi
2: lost a lot of money. Sci-fi screwed up a lot. They got happy cancel, deadly class, <laughs> Krypton. Yeah. Like they were like, We're the comic book superheroes station, Not anymore. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. I mean right. I'm that just was proud of Supergirl. Like, yeah. I'm proud of Supergirl for for going the length that it did and for and yeah. for lasting. Like it made a star out of all those all the actors, Melissa Benoist. Uh, I always butcher her name. Benoist. Benoist.
1: Yeah. I had to, yeah, by the way, She
2: fell I in had love. She got married, you know, did all that. Uh, she's still married. Did they get divorced?
3: No. No, they're still married. Uh, yeah,
2: know. they're still married. She's still married to the dude who played uh, Momento. Because she just, she
3: just had yeah. a kid too. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, like, I mean, it changed her life. And she did a great job. And, like, the show was great. And I loved Supergirl and the crossovers. Yeah. And, like, all yeah, that I, stuff,
3: I think so. just the, the biggest thing with that show is that it just became incredibly directionless. Yeah. Like, they were, like they were just filming episodes to either get to something else or whatever it just didn't it didn't feel like it was necessarily uh going anywhere and well i yeah, think part of
1: it is from its inception right because it wasn't a cw what well, original show right. it started, show. Yeah, it started out on cbs thing, yep. then yep. got canceled then got moved now it's a separate universe so then we gotta like jerry rig all this stuff bring and, it like, into the universe yeah, yeah it's just and then we have superman because they couldn't mention superman in the first season because of like like contract stuff so then it was oh now we can talk about him so now we're going to shove everything in here and say it was always trying to catch up to itself and i love her as supergirl like she is well right i
3: think i think i think that's the added bonus to this too right where like depending on how they ended or whatever the hope is that she'll be able to come by whenever yeah. she's People whenever can she's pop
2: needed. up in the arrow yeah.
1: and that's and that's gonna classic, be an awesome like, surprise mm-hmm. yeah and that'll I be agree. great and i like the kofi idea i think you could aside from like legends because that show is like evergreen just because of the nature sure. of what the show is i feel like all the other ones though yeah you could rotate every five six seasons and mm-hmm. bring another one in and keep it lively i i like that
2: idea yeah so that's supergirl season six Going to be the end. Um, Moving right along. Matt, why don't you quickly tell us about Amazon Luna, the new gaming service, and uh, what all is going on with that?
1: Yeah, just real quick uh, recap, because they were kind of vague in in some parts. But this is essentially Amazon's version of Stadia. Uh, where they do all the processing on their side and their servers and AWS specifically for Amazon. And you just get to play anywhere. So which includes right now, mobile devices and PC and Mac. uh, And then they've got a couple other things rolling out as well. Uh, 599 is the price for that. And you will like, it has Twitch integration. They're going to have about a hundred games right off the bat uh, to go ahead and play on this service. Um, It's got, you know, options for 4k and things like that. It's just interesting to see like, like why i'm because i'm curious by like stadia has not been the home run that google wanted and microsoft has their own and i'm blanking on the name uh their own service that's kind of like this and it's like x something and i'm blanking on the name but they have their own kind of thing is it excellent yeah so you know that they also have but again like theirs is kind of integrated into their whole pc hierarchy and stuff but this seems just kind of like the hundred games like there's some good games in here but there's not a bunch of good games. There's a lot of like niche titles, you know, you have like Control in here, you have Resident Evil uh, 7, but like you don't have a ton of other like high profile things. Now, the cool thing is that they will have an Ubisoft channel, uh, which is like a dedicated channel and it will have like new Ubisoft games in there. So like Valhalla will be part of that. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion will be part of that. So it'll be interesting to see like, they didn't really describe if that's included in the 599 or if that's kind of like a, Hey, add this subscription to your core subscription thing that like others have done. So I'm curious about that, but like 599 to be able to game without like, you know, like just without the hardware. It's cool. It's it's cool. Plus I dig the controller, which is actually like a straight up Jack of like Microsoft's controller. Uh, oh no I no no it's the Switch layout.
4: Pro controller and everybody's I mean, roasting they, that, it on that, Twitter right
3: that now. That design but that design is like the Xbox came up with that design and then everyone else right. did their best Im- yeah. impression. I mean that's what I always associate that design up, with like, Xbox. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. But like the twin the way the sticks are laid out, I always attribute yeah. to Xbox because I feel like that was the first time a lot of people saw that being done and that, and they did it extremely well. So everyone else is kinda aped on that, uh, yeah. even scuffed to a point. But yeah it's an interesting service i just i'm i'm curious as to who this is aimed at and why they launch it now when we have like new consoles coming and like stadia is still trying to find its feet after like a year i don't know i think it's it's
3: thing. a i think it's aimed at a casual at, at a much more casual audience but like, right? so like is stadia well sure but but that's but but here's the here's the biggest difference right it, it, it depends on your household Or whatever, right? Like you're either like an Amazon smart device household, or you're a Google smart device household, or whatever. And so, if this is going to connect in with kind of all the other stuff, here's the other thing that like that Amazon has that Google doesn't, uh, and it's Twitch. And I can only imagine that there are going to be Twitch integrations here that are going to make it easier for anyone else wanting to kind of jump into that space than than anyone else, right? Oh, like, there are. Fortnite, I mean, they made a point like
1: if, to like highlight that. Yeah, okay, that's what I mean. No, like Fortnite
3: moves think. to like if Fortnite moves to to you know is a able to play to play on that then like and you eliminate that barrier of being able to like jump to to twitch or whatever by having it plug into everything else you've got from a twitch standpoint not only that there's like there's all those prime perks that you get or you know for twitch twitch prime that i imagine you can get with games that are gonna are gonna go here um and then amazon's you know got its it has its own game studio right like there was uh, that Crucible game that tried to come out, you know, that they were testing a bit that had to go back for a bit more development there. But like, I'm sure you're going to be able to use that to like get into early beta for those, for those kinds of games. Like, I think there's I way more potential what they've been for
1: working on all this time. They yep. scooped up all that talent like years ago and then nothing <laughs> has come from that. We got all these crack guys working on this stuff and then like silence. I hope this that, is what that's where,
3: that's where I feel Amazon has a bit more of a leg up on stadia in the sense that like, Google Stadia kind of sits off on its own island. Yes, it's powered by Google, but like, where else does it plug in? Where for Amazon, like it can, it can plug in in a ton of different ways uh, that, you know, I think is, is where the path forward is for that and why it stands out as a different kind of console than, you know, your big three PlayStation, you know, Xbox and Switch.
4: True, you know I mean? Jim, I think you're right that Twitch might be the thing that keeps this one afloat a bit longer. I think Stadia goes the way of the OUYA and we're laughing about it in five years for being gone. Oh, so.
1: <laughs> <All> the OUYA.
2: <laughs> no one remembers the OUYA. <laughs> all right. Anybody, that's it?
1: That's it. That's it's just a quick one.
2: All right. Well, we got to move on to Marvel Phase 4. So... Bad news, ladies and gents. they just put
3: like, a, like the funeral song over as an uh, under embed in the music here?
2: Like, Jesus I don't Christ. know. But um, yeah, the news we were kind of dreading came down. Marvel isn't taking any chances on 2020. Black Widow has been moved from November, and they didn't just move it till like Eternals date in February. No, no. The entire Marvel Phase 4 movie slate has been knocked back to a new start date of May 2021 where black widow will finally be able to hit theaters so that's basically a year-long delay from when black widow was supposed to hit theaters and as we do this i guess fast and furious is just looking smarter and smarter than anybody right Who who knew they would who knew they would be the ones ahead of the game yeah we clown the fast and furious but at least they were like you know they were realistic they were like "Ooh, pandemic yeah see you next year Mm
0: -hmm. so they
2: were locking it down they knew this year was busted right from the start um yeah so what this means is crazy is that's a year from when black widow that means it's been going to be nearly two years nearly two years since we've had a marvel movie in theaters Mm -hmm. by the time we get to black widow because the last one was Far From Home in July of 2019. And so, like, yeah, that is crazy. Crazy. Wow. After the life we've been living, that we won <laughs> two years. That's it.
3: We were Got just hooked Marvel up Marvel. to that
2: Marvel Studios IV, yeah. just like, tap yeah. the vein, let's go. That was a drip right there. Like, and now, yeah, that's so nuts. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's also created a whole cascading effect, of course, as Jim was saying. We were talking about DCs kind of tie in properties this is not just about black widow so everything has had to get knocked back and some interesting things are starting to kind of come to light and they're happening um so black widow is not coming till may of next year there's been a order change
4: mm-hmm.
2: so instead of it going black widow then eternals then shang chi shang chi is now coming out before eternal shang chi black widow will hit in may Shang-Chi will arrive in July and uh Eternals will arrive in November 2021 now. So that's a, a really kind of interesting change and it's brought up something that I was kind of doing before we even came in here today which was talking about ed- additional effects that this could have because there is this Marvel Disney Plus slate and WandaVision, we know, is still coming at the end of 2020, but there were two other ones in production already, which were Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The big question now is, like, when will particularly Falcon and the Winter Soldier arrive? Because there are been, and I did a whole breakdown article in this, and going back through basically both of these, the show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Black Widow, the movie's production, and rumors and all this kind of little clues that people have been putting together, and there is increasingly kind of significant evidence that these two stories are linked in some kind of significant way, whether it's Black Widow and and the most obvious way since the time periods are so different, Black Widow's between Captain America Civil War and Infinity War and Falcon Winter Soldiers after the events of Endgame. So you're looking at roughly like a 10 year span of time in the MCU between those two. Like depending on when, close to if it's it's approaching ten years. If not, I see Connor kind of looking skeptical.
4: I'm doing the math in my head. There's the five year jump, but where are you getting the rest of those years from?
2: Civil War between the years between Civil War and and, and uh, Infinity War. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, so it's like eight. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's at least eight, and we don't know when Falcon and the Winter Soldier is set exactly after Endgame. Right, right. So, uh, giving that it could be another year, you're approaching ten. It's not exactly ten, but it's getting towards a decade. Uh, if you want to throw in Time Trap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, well, um,
4: if only there was a young, promising actress in Black Widow that could show up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, exactly. That might so, get some attention for the series. Gee, I yeah, wonder.
2: yeah, I mean, so there was. that's the thing. Um, the connective threads that are here are Black Widow will be dealing. I mean, both are both, obviously, espionage stories. And the kind of speculation is that Black Widow is going to introduce something that by the time of Falcon and winter soldier has kind of come to fruition in a much bigger way. Uh, and there's a lot of ways that can play out. There's whatever new program the Soviets are running that could turn into whatever happening in Falcon and winter soldier, because Zemo has all this deep knowledge of Soviets and the super soldier program and everything they were doing. And, you know, is Russia a timely subject to talk about and a metaphor for like superhero series? Maybe. Is
3: Russia behind us agent?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I put in my article. That would be a very on the nose Marvel. Let's get political move to have (laughs) US agent be a Russian plant. Um, You know, all this stuff. So there's all these connected things. And then there's the Thunderbolt theory, which is that each of these movies will begin to kind of, that both uh, Black Widow and Falcon and Winter Soldier will begin to do almost like a demented reverse Nick Fury from phase one, where you see somebody like Thunderbolt Ross or something kind of coming around and beginning to collect people for a government team,
1: you know. Or to become Jim's favorite character.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. Red Hulk.
1: I yeah, I mean, I want I want Red
2: Hulk. Hulk. I want some Red Hulk. There better be some Red Hulk. That'd be, I mean, She-Hulk better throw in some Red Hulk. And there better be a Tri-Hulk battle in that piece, like, or I'm going to walk away. Um, anyway, yeah. So anyway, I'm getting off topic. So, like, yeah, there's all these connective tissues that we see that can be there. So it basically boils down to the fact that it seems like Black, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has to come after Black Widow, which means if Black Widow's not coming in May, there's a good chance that Falcon and the Winter Soldier will also get a year-long delay from its release date and come in summer 2021. And that's speculation. I don't know that, so don't send me your hate tweets. I don't know that. I'm just speculating. <laughs> but there's evidence to, to that that stacks up. Uh, you know, just I just saw it, tweets too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Comic Book Nation has an official uh, Twitter account. Send <laughs> yes. it there. Um, we'll follow it. Yeah. And so uh, basically, besides the rumor evidence of the story elements, there's also the fact that Falcon and Winter Soldier got slammed in its production cycle by the lockdowns and the pandemic, and it's just now getting back to shooting. And Marvel, it seems like this is going to have some pretty big sequences, effects, things like that. So why not take the time, do it right, and then just put it out? in time for summer next year what are we racing for that valentine's day slot like come on <laughs> we're not gonna get done this year so you might as well just keep it and pack summer and make it exciting for fans to start hitting them with like black widow i mean it'd be awesome if we got it as a package just like black widow in theaters falcon and winter soldier on disney plus that weekend and just go like crazy deep marvel that'd be awesome like watch black widow then see the story continue on disney plus like yeah that'd be awesome so, Yeah. So, I mean, the possibilities are wide open, but, uh, yeah, we got to start doing that. Um, and it seems clear to me, the other side of this is that phase four has two distinct storylines really building here. There's whatever's happening on earth, uh, with all this kind of crazy espionage, next phase of crime or spies, assassins, super soldiers, whatever. And then there's all the cosmic stuff that's going to be affected by like Wanda vision, whatever's happening with Loki kind of Dr. Strange, wherever Kang fits into all of this and so like yeah i mean it kind of makes sense that they can play with the order a little bit and just maybe get some of the more grounded crime espionage stuff because shang chi is going to kind of introduce a crime possible crime syndicate run by the mandarin that has all this kind of mystical things and it'd be a good bridge piece in a certain kind of way so i'm kind of interested to see what's happening here how are you guys feeling about more 2020 depression (laughs) <laughs>
3: uh i mean i, I mean that, that's the same falcon and Winter soldier clearly is still doing more f- filming and so like that's inevitably going to be delayed so maybe this you know black widow move is kind of a blessing in disguise and a necessary evil kind of thing um i think the the big question is is uh how how and where eternals fits into all of this too um, with given like kind of the the cosmic stuff, and I'm just really curious to see like what kind of story that is setting up. Um, but also, I think there's there's actually like three kind of threads being here because I think you've got your Black Widow and Falcon Winter Soldier kind of thread. You have your Wandavision Doctor Strange thread, um, and then you potentially have like I guess maybe the guardians is connected in some way, but guardians and um, Thor and Eternals, I think are probably that, that third um, thread. And then you've got to think that they're going to start on she Hulk and Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight pretty soon as well. So like, how does that fit into the, the grand scheme of things? I think it's one of the things that everyone has come to love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that just because it's come to a, a grinding halt and we had, like, that story hasn't been able to progress, it just leaves us all kind of fiending for literally anything. Um, and I, I know we're all saying like, oh, we're not going to get you know a Marvel movie uh, this year, but let's be totally honest. WandaVision is basically is going to be shot like a movie and while it is a series and we're not going to see it in theaters that's just a long movie in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion um but it, I, like i said like so i remember just like seeing that one division trailer and it, it's got all of that marvel studio shine on it right like it looks really good it doesn't look like a tv show um it, it does it looks like a serialized movie um and I, i'm just i just needed to start just just push that ball off the hill and just let it start rolling.
2: Yup. Agreed. All right. Anybody else got but any more? Also give me a red Hulk. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> I, else got I... any
4: more uh, Marvel thoughts? I feel bad for the Eternals cast because they have to wait so long from when they shot to when this thing's actually coming out. Cause that delay is long. They're going to start feeling like the new mutants cast where they have to oh. think pretty hard about when they actually film
2: stuff. Wow. That, that's rough. All right, well, we'll be hanging in there, talking about Marvel stuff or DC stuff or whatever we can until we finally get back to Black Widow. See you next summer. All right. Moving right along, we're going to flip it up, and uh, I think we are going to talk about wrestling first so I can finish reading this X-Men comic that goes on forever. Matt and Connor, give us an update. What's going on with WWE Clash of Champions? (laughs) Woof. The dogs are psyched for it. Uh, is that like the, that should be part of the promos for this thing. Um, but anyway, they're
4: barking for the big dog, Matthew. Okay. Take it away guys. What's going on with wrestling? I got Matt to chuckle on that one. Um, so we've got clash of champions coming up this weekend. The gimmick of the show is that every champion must defend their title. So nine matches on this sucker. And the big things are Roman Reigns is probably gonna straight up merc his cousin, Jey Uso. Because uh, he's a heel now, and he's, he's probably not, not care that it's his cousin. Drew McIntyre's at risk of losing his world championship in an ambulance match. We've got a ladder match involving Jeff Hardy, so you know that's going to be fun. And then an undercard that's not very exciting, but those top matches should kind of carry the whole thing. Matt, is there anything on this show that particularly inspires
1: you? Um, I mean, I am excited about the Roman Jay so much. I mean, I'm excited just to see how that plays out because again, a lot of the things I'm looking forward to here aren't actually the matches themselves. It's like the fallout or the storyline stuff. That's like with that, like it's the same reason why I'm looking forward to the Bailey match because I want to see the next part of Sasha and Bailey. I'm not really like so locked in on the match itself. And the same thing with Roman. Uh, The one match I will say is different. That is not that way is the ladder match that one i'm just excited to watch that match just because of those three people but right uh, so there's some stuff it's not like the most stacked card but it's ex- i mean i like it i like what it's what it's got going on
4: i can't get it out of my head that bailey could lose the title here because she and sasha want to prove that their storyline is big enough that it doesn't need a championship and if you give it to nikki here she's got a feud ready to go with alexa with whatever she's got going on in her head right now with the fiend so you could have two really interesting stories in the women's division on one show which we don't see a lot of as opposed to eh, this is all about sasha and bailey everything else can kind of get scooted off to the margins
1: and it would be nice for nikki to actually like not lose yeah because she's done a lot of that lately <laughs> and i love nikki. always loses it's, it would be nice to give her that run uh so yeah i mean i, I think that's and i don't think bailey sasha needs a belt at all
4: no it it really doesn't but i could also see the argument of bailey gets to a full year as champion and then sasha knocks her off and then she's champion in just in time for uh the mandalorian because you know know that that's yeah that's a good point you know that they're thinking about that too like all eyes are going to be on her so put her in the best possible position um as for the rest of the card i I could see this being the thing that protects Drew while still giving the title back to Randy one more time. I know you roll your eyes. Lots of people do. At the same time, I just feel like this feud has lost some steam in the last month. You you dragged poor Keith Lee into this just to yank him back out of it. Uh, Randy's kind of – he's not showing the same dangerousness that he did from just even a couple of months ago. But – so that one's a total toss-up to me. I'm just – this whole show for me just comes down to the ladder match and how long does Roman want to toy with Jey Uso before just spearing him in half? Cause this, the thing could go five minutes or 15 minutes and it's all depending on how much do I want to beat up this guy? And, I, and I'm, ex- I'm kind of excited for, for
1: retribution. They're going to turn the lights off and then turn them back on. And then they're going to introduce stuff.
4: themselves as T-Bar, T-bar and, bar, Slapjack and Slapjack and Crackerjack and, Cracker
1: Jack and And shatter. You ever needed a reminder of why I get so tense anytime an NXT person moves to Raw or SmackDown? Just look at Retribution. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. This is this is the exact example of that. I will give them
4: this. Watching Dijakovic go on Twitter and pretend to be Bane
1: is kind of amazing. Okay, like I will get. They should get all credit actually because they've. They've done their best yeah. to one be in on the joke, they are, and, and they're trying it. so yeah. hard. It's not their fault. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is ter- like Mia Yim should not be doing this. Like, there's so many uh, from Mercedes. It's like she just came off a, a an entertaining feud, and we're like, oh, she's gonna go do something cool. And this is what they got. like. Poor Mia couldn't even keep the mask on throughout the whole thing. Like, Everything is bad everything's bad (laughs) and and the masks like don't hide who they are at all but everyone's just like who are these people
4: we've never seen them before and we can see all of mia yim's face
1: she's got blue hair (laughs) she's had blue hair hair like her entire nxt run like who who was fooled who was fooled?
4: oh god it's so bad i just i just hope they keep that just keep it on raw. Don't don't mess with our pay-per-views with this stuff. We don't we don't need it. Oh no, they're going to. They're absolutely going you, to. You know what the rumor is right now, right? No, I've I've stayed away. The before. main event of Survivor <laughs> series will involve retribution. That's in November. We got I think that's in, a no
1: brainer Why wouldn't we? We got months booked of it this stuff far. to
4: get through. That's just a long time. just
1: run it through. But again, you know, we also saw the hacker just like disappear. I was I wanted to bring yeah. that up. Like, where is the hacker? <laughs> He's on main event because he's Mustafa Ali. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's pretty good. And then, like, here's the thing. NXT then does the mysterious person. What is with WWE right now and, like, that vocal tech? What, what Did they just – is the license running out and they have to use it? Like, what is the deal? <laughs> Why is everything – every promo and every vignette have to have that? I don't know. I'm but
4: pretty sure Bo Dallas is pulling a Mission Impossible right now on this, NXT.
1: I have been oh, amazed by how many – <laughs> Bo Dallas requests I have seen pop up after that promo aired. Bo, like it was yeah. so many Bo Dallas and Tessa, but I don't think people understood the promo for for saying Tessa because it's like this person's been on NXT before. But like Bo Leave stuff came out of the woodwork, and now like, I kind of want it to be Bo Dallas. Not gonna lie.
4: I mean, it's either him or Bobby Roode, and neither of them are gonna excite people. They're gonna be like, oh man, Bobby Roode finally think Bo able
1: would. to lead Canada. I yes, think Bo uh, would, really. just because it would be so like, what the hell? Like, I think there's yeah. a, a a bit of like, I think people like him and like that character before it got like exposed. Yeah, like. I, I think so. So if you lean into that, I actually think that might be fun. Um, Bobby Roode, yeah, I don't I don't know why he would come back to go to Annex. Like, just put him back to whatever he was doing before he left. I don't even remember. What he was? He was with Dolph. In a, in a <laughs> I don't remember activity. what he's doing. It was that forgettable, but yeah.
4: Jim, any thoughts on Clash this Sunday? Uh,
3: like I said, I am I am I am loving the pairing of Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman so much. It's just it it works. This is the kind of thing that you know. I think a lot of older uh, fans have been kind of asking for 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 Roman. Um, the real the real question is is that. You know, they keep teasing the you know, Roman keeps teasing like he'd love to see the rock at WrestleMania. Uh and so it'd be it'd be really interesting to see the Rock as you know come back and and as a face against a a heel Roman reigns. Like it's it's interesting because like that whole story is built around family and uh and all of that. And so um I just a I find it interesting too that like the the Roman change is happening happens like this where he's clearly a much more uh, a, a a tougher a tougher attitude uh, and a, a kind of take no cares I'm gonna do what I want get what I want kind of thing the same like you know at, at a very similar time where cody rhodes is back at aew and it basically black suit superman style where he's like i'm gonna be tougher and i'm not i'm not no more mr nice guy kind of thing and so i'm like there's it, a lot of parallels going on over there as well so, it, so anyway, was, that's, that's the how, biggest thing oh, that has me excited for for clash of champions for sure it, it was funny how
4: roman goes belt. on uh well that 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 could be on the way. But uh, it was funny how Roman referred to himself as a Mafia boss in his interview with Corey Graves today. And then out comes Cody last night with that little chain thing. It's like, wait a second.
3: (laughs) It's like, who's passing notes to one another? Come on. Uh, But, yeah, so, yeah, there you go. That's uh, Clash of Champions.
4: That's wrestling for you.
2: Kofi, did you finish the comic? I did, and we're going to talk about it. So, let's get into it. To fi- finish up today, we're going to do a uh, breakdown of X Men X of Swords creation, the first part of the twenty-two part X of <laughs> Swords crossover. It even tells you what you're in for on the cover. It says one of twenty-two. Okay,
3: but let's be let's be let's make sure everyone knows this. This is built like a classic X Men event. So the event parts one, parts two, part three, or whatever are going to take place in the various X-Men books. So X-Men and uh, X-Force and New Mutants and all like, so, so if you are not like, if you're a pull box subscriber somewhere, your local comic book shop, make sure that, you know, you tell your retailer that you want every X of swords book because you're going to start getting books that you're, you don't normally, you don't normally get. So if you're just like an X-Men subscriber and you only want X, you know, just that X-Men book, you're going to miss a lot. So just want to put that out there for folks who may be interested in getting into this uh, and want to know the structure. This is a completely, it's built completely differently than if you were to just have started on empire with its gazillion. D, yeah, no, uh, it's not, these spin-ups. are not
2: tie-ins. These are, these are all main chapters. These are parts you, of the story. Yeah. yeah. This is Executioner's song all over again. If you, if you know yeah. that reference, Messiah been, complex. Yeah. So you got to read all the X-Men parts. So they want you to buy all the books, get the sales up. All right. So let's get into the actual storyline. Um, so basically this book is the kind of payoff for, for the Dawn of X line that was kind of reintroduced and rebooted, the X-Men in House of X. And basically what it does is takes some of the uh, more trash elements of Dawn of X that we didn't like and, and makes yeah. them interesting and relevant. Like the whole other world thing in this one book is more relevant than all of 12 issues of Excalibur that I tried to slog through. Um, and, and that whole thing. And the premise of the story is that in ancient times, and we saw this hinted at a house of X and explored a little more in Dawn of X, the X-Men's new Island, the living Island Krakoa is actually, who was this mutant Island is now been re kind of constituted as a very ancient living Island. That was one of a, that used to be a, a greater hole called Oraka um, that was cut into during a great war by this weapon called the twilight sword and allowed beings from what is, and you know, Jonathan Hickman does a good job with his charts of finally making this other world crap clear to me. I did like (laughs) a whole study last night of just other world and like how it's positioned, but basically other world is like a mirror kind of thing where it has two halves. There's a light half and a dark half. Right. And so the dark half now wants to come across So the lost when Krakoa got split into Arako, it became Arako and Krakoa, and Apocalypse was the champion of the world who stood there and fought back this demonic horde with his original horsemen, who sack and a bunch of of early mutants he had gathered as almost like a ancient X Men, I guess, Mm -hmm. and they battled back this horde um, on the shores of Arako but it had to be sealed away and through this kind of portal. And basically he lost uh, all his original kind of mutant buddies, his first horseman, who he calls his children, his wife, um, everybody. And he, and he had to sacrifice them and they were sealed away in, into the kind of darker half of, of other world where Arako ended up. And in the later half of these Dawn of X books, part of Arako reconnected with Krakoa. And Apocalypse began to learn that there's this growing threat out there that's been kind of building up. And so he built the x a gate into Otherworld, like uh, the external gate um, that they can kind of get into the middle of there and see what's going on. And so Swords of x, uh, x of Swords creation is all about the massive kind of chess game that's kind of playing out now. And this series for me, why I liked it is it did what House of X did and Hickman does so well that I didn't feel was reflected in necessarily in the books uh, month to month, which is making something that feels like almost like a big piece of cin- It's very cinematic. It's very big and it feels epic. And it feels like we're getting into a actual big crossover as opposed to like empire. And it's funny because there's a little more apples to apples to this because exasaurus does a lot of stuff that empire does in the sense that like we didn't know exactly what the threat was we had all these mysterious characters some of them look egyptian some of them look alien like we were getting these weird character breakdowns none of it made any sense and they kind of do pull this weird like switch on you of what's happening in this story but this is actually cool and it does (laughs) something in like Marvel stories that <laughs> has like, and we've talked about, I've alluded to this, but I'm going to say, this is a great teaching moment because this teachable moment because they do what is so good about crossovers like this or Executioner's Song, particularly an X-Men of Executioner's Song or um, uh, well, Extinction Agenda mm-hmm. and things like that. Those classic 90 stories, which is just a simple, because you're playing such a large cast of characters, just a simple, easy-to-follow premise that this lays down. There's an army. This dark army's coming across Otherworld. They get to the, like, god of Otherworld, Satyrin, and she you know in an awesome and she's like more white queen than white queen somehow and right uh, yeah I like, um,
3: that Was at first. Yeah. like, like oh my almost God. down to like uh, that's probably the one thing i couldn't i couldn't get i was like wait are they is that emma Frost? no is the drawings yeah <laughs> i had
2: to look twice at a lot of the artwork too, <laughs> uh, which is gorgeous pepe laraz in this um but um yeah i had to check that out but um yeah and so they come to the middle and you know she's based on goddess world and she stops and's like yeah this is not happening like what are you what are you doing here what do you want and they say we want to go and take over Krakoa. We've been in this sucky land forever. We want to go <laughs> back to Krakoa, and we're taking it over. And she's like, all right, here's how we're going to settle this. Sword fight! Like, we're just going to have a Kumite, if you've seen Enter the Dragon, basically, and, it, and it's just a sword battle. You Dark Army, you guys get ten sword fighters. You know, Krakoa, it's on you now. You guys, mutants, get ten sword fighters, and we're going to hash this out. Boom. And it's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot that happens in this 60-something-page book. But um, that's why I like it, because you can just boil it down to the X-Men got a sword fight to keep their home against a dark version of their home and a bunch of crazy people who we're going to meet in
1: there. As Riddell said, Yeah, is, and it, that is what this does so well. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely.
2: And it's just like, now the stage is set, cause, and there's plenty to do here. They have to go out. They got to find these swords. You know, we got to figure out who these other champions they're going to face are going to be and what their stories are. And it's not, you know, it's not going to be that simple. People are going to be trying to play angles, do all this other stuff, backstabbing. They've already teased major betrayal and all kinds of stuff. And so, like, we're going to see where this goes. But at the core, it's a sword fight. And that's what we're going around. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, it has been my favorite thing since House of X, and I'm now really looking forward to this again. All 22 parts of it.
1: I, I agree with you. I think it did more with a lot of the fringe books Um, and I, and I thought that's, what's been missing from even the core X-Men book, like Hickman's own X-Men book has missed this kind of like, like some of the stuff has been really I I like horticulture a lot. Like (laughs) I like that. I like that stuff, but again, it's not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it was moving things forward in a big way. And so that's what this does is kind of go back through and pull all these stories together. I mean, aside from Marauders, I've really fallen off a lot of the other books as far as like i read them but i don't necessarily retain like they're not (laughs) a lot of it's kind of filler and i'm not digging a lot of it um but this does a really good job of that uh and i just love how it blends it all to sword i think that's such as like brilliant also so obvious but like why didn't someone think of it first obvious not in a bad (laughs) way and so i'm like oh my god that's a great way to bring that back in so yeah there's a lot of cool ideas it is dense I'm not going to, like, not say.
3: This chapter is is dead. Like, I think Kofi did probably the best explanation of it that I think anyone probably could for someone who, like, just Man, because I just no read it once, and I really <laughs> what, have to read it a awful. second time. Like, to like it's really so get it.
1: much. Like there's so much of that. Like especially like towards that beginning, and it's like, oh my god! Like why am I meeting all these people? There's so many little breaks of giant blurbs of text. Like this is the like one of the most Hickman Hickman issues in a minute. Um, but I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying like it is good to go in with the idea that Kofi had of like that breakdown. Go in with that while you're reading it, and I feel like you'd get a hell of a lot more out of it on that first go, and you won't have to go back. I'm gonna
2: tell you, the key is just study the Outworld charts. As long as you study the Outworld charts, you will be okay, because you just gotta understand like what what this land is and like what's happening, yeah. and and then well, you're pretty but, good.
3: But also too, like you know, so Jamie Lovett on the site put together a nice kind of recap of like the Swords of the Marvel Universe and and why they're you know they're gonna be. Uh, important and where they come from and things like that. So like, you know, you've got the the Muramasa blade uh, for, you know, for diehard Wolverine fans, Captain Britain fans have sort of, the, you know, sort of might clearly, you know, you can't have a mention of swords without magic's soul sword. Uh, the one that I, I I totally forgot about was the, was grass cutter that I guess, uh, you know, was, is more of a daredevil in hand kind of uh, lore item. Uh, yeah, but you have the one Gorgon,
2: that Gorgon will have, right?
3: The one, well, the Gorgon's got the God Killer, um, which, which I mean, which he's kind of always, which he's always had. Uh, and then I guess the the difference, uh, I guess, a new one is uh, Cipher is using Warlock as a sword. So awesome. I guess <laughs> so Warlock awesome. is a sword. <laughs>
1: that's so dope. That's such a cool thing. Like. Oh, I love that. And
3: then there's and then there's that random sword that showed up in Cable that came from the Space Knights from Rom, the you know Rom's people. So the Light of Galador is a, a new sword, um, and so you know it's. I, I thought this, the premise was going to be totally stupid, and I after reading this uh, this issue, I'm like all in on it. I'm like, yes, yeah. go find and, all the swords, I go use they, them.
1: I think me and Kofi talked about it when it was first announced that we were both like, man, really? Like this is, yeah, I was, I was follow-up?
2: skeptical. Yeah. But like, no, I agree. Sure. This,
1: this issue very much like, okay, I'm in, I'm, this is cool. This is so in some ways ridiculous and pulls all into these two cool things. I'm, I'm done. I'm in for
3: this. But like, I like that now that the event is built in a way that, the all the chapters make sense, right? Like, you are going to have to spend time with the New Mutants characters. You are going to have to spend time with, uh, you know, uh, Psylocke and Captain Britain and, and those characters from Excalibur. Uh, like, so so I like that it sets it up that way as well where, you know, you're not necessarily fighting for them to get two or three panels in kind of your, your standard, like, X of Swords chapter one, X of Swords issue one, X of Swords issue two, and then have your spin-outs. It's ingrained in the story which i really really like
2: yeah and that's the thing i said like when you the x-men stories of the 90s what they did so well was to realize how many characters they were playing with and just find ways to streamline the story around something simple that could give them time to play with them like we just gotta you know track down who killed professor x so we need several teams of x-men to do that And therefore we need X-Force and X-Factor has to do this and this. And everybody's on their set quests. It's very simple to follow. And then it's just about what happens along the way and the character Mm -hmm. interactions and all that. And this looks like it's going to be great in the house of X thing. Like we're going to, like you said, and we're going to get characters working together, but we're also going to get scenes of characters you don't think should like be together. Like one of my favorite scenes is the summer's kids in this book that have that little crazy scene with Banshee and, and jumping in Banshee's head. And it's just like, I'm looking forward to all that stuff all right that'll do it if you haven't had a chance go check out x-men x of swords pick that up if you jumped in for house of x this is the time to get back in check that all out It's just getting started all right that'll do it for this uh long episode of comic book nation but good rich episode of comic book nation we want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. If you're just now getting the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. We can listen for yourself, or you can listen to your favorite podcast platforms. We're on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, iHeartRadio, or you can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcasts and it will start playing for you. If you want to watch episodes, you can see us air them on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday. And you can watch along and see our smiling faces. If you like the podcast,
3: show. Uh, Breaking News, the podcast will return to YouTube. We are setting up a Comic Book Nation specific YouTube channel. So that way the entire library will go there and the new episodes will go there as well. Uh, that'll probably happen uh, by the Wednesday episode. Woo-hoo.
2: Listen, so. Jim, out there actually producing. Listen to that. All right. I like it. If you are just now getting in the show, leave us a five star review on uh, Apple Podcasts because we are going to be sending out uh, some appreciation shirts to our fans once we get back in that merch closet. And if you want to talk to us, holler at us, drop show topics, we used to tell you you could go to the hashtag Comic Book Nation, but now we got something more official for you. You can just come at us, bro, at Comic Book Nation on Twitter. We have an official Twitter handle now. We will be out there. People like myself and Matt will be uh, giving this thing life, Wendy style. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be kind of hanging out there and things for the show will be announced through there. And we'll be putting up all kinds of great goodies on there for you guys. So check that out and follow it now at comic book nation on Twitter. Hit us up because uh, we want to be friends. Hey, hey. Otherwise that'll do it for this episode. Thank you again. If you're just tuning in, stay healthy, stay checked in. Just stay less stressed in 2020 if you can. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Deuces.